I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Thank you for joining the conversation on Colloquium. This episode is brought to you by Excelsior Capital, an investment platform focused on democratizing private equity by providing individuals access to direct opportunities. To learn more about the firm, please visit excelsiorgp.com and connect with Brian on LinkedIn. Hello and welcome to the conversation on Colloquium. Today I've got Dewey Burke with me, who we met through mutual friends out in California, actually, initially, and kind of one of those COVID LinkedIn connections that we've stayed in touch. And he's doing some really interesting things that I think are very topical right now with what's happening in the market. So I'm excited to have him on. Dewey, how are you doing today? I'm great. I'm great. I appreciate you having me on. And, uh, Happy that it's June, summer's here, and weather getting better, and I'm excited for the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. It, it is nice to have summer here. We're recording this kind of early June. So after the Memorial Day holiday, holiday, the traditional start of the summer season, before we get into what your focus is today, maybe get a little bit of background. Your story is a, is a fairly compelling one, in my opinion, so I'd love to have the listeners learn a little bit more about that. Sure. Uh, I mean, how far do you want me to go back? <laughs> you know, it's weird to talk about yourself, but happy to happy to oblige. So, you know, just from a, a business perspective, spent some time at a couple different private equity firms, helped launch a, a fund that was focused in, in sub-Saharan Africa. So got good exposure to raising capital, but also looking at potential portfolio companies and you know, as it relates to what I do now, that was really my introduction to understanding the, the plight of the small business owner and, and the challenge of, I have a great business idea, I'm going to build a great company, but I'm too early stage for the traditional financing resources to take me seriously with the box that they keep you in, right? You have to have those 12 months of financials and a good run rate for them to consider putting a line of credit in place, let's say, and even then it might involve a personal guarantee. So that was my introduction to, to seeing the challenges that, that a lot of entrepreneurs face in raising capital. Got back into operating companies really in 2012 uh, and have been in the collateral financing space 
ever since uh, and then launched Luxury Asset Capital in uh, 2017, which obviously we're going to we're going to talk about and have been running that that since and we've, we've built a good business. So I look forward to, to talking about it. If you want me to go further back, I can. I don't know if that's what you meant, but uh, that's, that's yeah. I mean, may, maybe talk a little bit about your experience at UNC and and how involved you are with the basketball program. I, I think that's really interesting, and and certainly have a lot of UNC folks here in Nashville that are pretty diehard Heels fans. Yeah, happy to. Yeah, so I uh, I played men's basketball at Carolina at uh, University of North Carolina Chapel Hill. Uh, I was a walk on, so I. I walked on in the first years that Coach Williams left Kansas and came back home to Carolina. So I was very, very fortunate uh, to be able to play for him and kind of be a part of the the ride that we would then go on under his tutelage, which now he obviously just retired and after a great 18 years. So uh, I played for Coach Williams. Like I said, I was a walk-on and was a member of some really good teams. And uh, it's funny you ask, I just literally this past weekend was on a trip with a bunch of my Carolina teammates. So uh, we're still very close, uh, especially the guys I played with. And uh, the Carolina family, as they say it from Coach Smith, is a very real thing. Uh, I would tell you it is the, the coolest fraternity that as a basketball guy I could ever dream of being a part of, except for maybe being in the Hall of Fame. So I had a wonderful experience there and learned a lot from Coach Williams about about leadership, about team dynamics. And I would tell you, there's almost not a day that goes by that I don't utilize his teachings and apply them to our company and our business and, and my team members and, and how to lead them. I don't always get it right, but I know that his voice is always in the back of my head as I try to lead and uh, just invaluable lessons that I got from him. Yeah, absolutely. Incredible guy, incredible program. So it's great to hear that you're still connected and that people do, you know, go on after their playing career and can still leverage that network. And that's a little bit of a segue into, you know, the, the current group that you founded and work with, because you do have some kind of niche offerings for you know, people who, you know, professional athletes, et cetera. But before we get into it, Let's let's do some some terminology here so that people feel kind of comfortable with the with the conversation. We're talking about unlocking the equity, you know, specifically of some of these luxury assets without necessarily having to sell them. Can you maybe define a collateral loan? What it means for you? Yeah, absolutely, sure. So we we've basically built a business as a lender, which is what we are. We're an alternative lender, non bank lender. We've built a business considering the assets on an individual's personal balance sheet that the bank will not. So any of us that have gone through a, a traditional financing process, whether it's to get a mortgage for a house or for a line of credit for a business or a personal line, we all know what they're going to ask you for, right? They want W-2s, K-1s, tax returns. They want your liquidity statements, and they want to know what your personal balance sheet looks like. And individuals might have, let's say, luxury cars, fine art, their wife's jewelry collection, watches on that personal balance sheet, and they could be worth several hundred to several million dollars, several hundred thousand to several million dollars, and the bank will not even consider them as a part of their asset portfolio, simply because it's they choose not to try and understand that collection of assets, right? You know, banks are kind of famous for saying, we don't know what we don't know. And so they won't place a reasonable value on any of those personal luxury assets, even though they have tremendous value, 
They have the ability to be liquidated if you so chose. But the bank just says, no, no, you know, we just we can't consider that. And so after seeing that and, and living that myself and seeing others go through it, the thinking was there's probably a business opportunity to help clients leverage exactly those assets for short term short term financing needs to go invest in a business or do a real estate deal or uh, meet an opportunity or solve a need that they have. And can we get comfortable with the assets the bank is not? And so that's what we've done. We've built a business saying, hey, we, we've made ourselves experts in the value of luxury cars, fine art, jewelry, watches, diamonds, stuff that you would see auctioned at Sotheby's or Christie's. We can accurately evaluate what those things are worth and we'll loan you money against them. And rather than ask you for mounds of paperwork like we just discussed, like the bank does, we're just say, hey, while you have capital outstanding from us, we're going to have possession of those assets that we just outlined. We're going to securely store them, fully insure them. And so if it's a Ferrari that's worth half a million bucks, we're going to take that Ferrari. We're going to put it in secure storage. We're going to loan you 50 to 65% of what we think it's worth. We can do it in a couple of days. You take that money, go do what you need to do, solve your problem, meet your opportunity, do your deal. Then when you pay us back, give you the car back. And you can revolve that in and out. You can do it across multiple asset classes, meaning we have clients that will get financing on art, watches, and cars all in one package. And again, because we're experts, have made ourselves experts, we can close with incredible speed because our focus is simply the, the value of the asset and not all the other things that regular banks focus on, debt to income ratios and, and, and the like. So that is what a collateral loan with us means. Yeah, it does seem like, especially after 2008 and only getting worse, the banks are becoming more and more regulated, less and less risk uh, uh, or more risk averse. And it creates a weird situation where the box that they work in keeps getting smaller. And I know for myself, I, I derive all my income from K-1s. And it's really difficult for, for me to get just like a traditional mortgage because even though I've got a high net worth and decent liquidity, et cetera, and my wife derives a lot of her income from a trust, we just don't fit. We don't check the boxes. And so even we've had to go to... Yeah. yeah. You're outside their little box that says, hey, liquidity has to be here. Debt to income ratio has to be here. And in order to get financing from us, us being the bank, not me, they say, hey, if you don't fit in here, sorry, we can't help you. Right? They just don't have the ability, mostly from a regulatory perspective, to look outside the box and, and see actually what's going on. And they struggle with 1099s. They struggle with K1s, like you're saying, because uh, I'm the same way. And the reality is when someone such as yourself or someone in a similar situation all of a sudden has an immediate need, a capital call on a company you've already invested in, a margin call, a great opportunity that requires a closing in days or weeks, not months, we can help you seize that opportunity. And the bank just, they just can't, they just can't move fast enough. I don't want to make it sound like we are unregulated. We're regulated too. We're licensed to do what we do. But it's just fundamentally different from a structure perspective because we're solely focused on the value of the assets, what we think they're worth, and how much liquidity can we get you, and how quickly can we do that? And just that's the antithesis of how banks work, as you're as you're saying. Yeah. Well, and that 
highly regulated marketplace that inefficiency creates opportunity for entrepreneurs like yourselves to fill that void, right? So let's get into it. Maybe give us a run through of a typical fact pattern that you often see, what your process looks like, timing, pros, cons, expenses. Would love to hear the whole rundown. Sure. Yeah. We did a deal a couple months ago that I was really proud of our execution. Uh, so I get a phone call on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, I'm literally in my basement with my one-year-old playing with her and watching golf. I mean, that's exactly what I was doing. And I get a call from a referral source that says, hey, I have a guy who needs to borrow half a million dollars. He's the CEO of XYZ company, and he needs some working capital in the short term because the equity he's raised is probably not going to fully get closed for another six to eight weeks. So he needs a short-term financing solution. It's okay, understood. And this gentleman had two high-end cars that were owned free and clear. He had the titles and was willing to leverage them if we could put something together. So this is a Saturday afternoon. Long story short, after a couple of conversations with the client, figuring out where the cars were, what they were, assessing value. I had our chief underwriter on a plane Tuesday morning, flew to where these cars and the client were. We took possession of them, put them in a high-end premium storage facility devoted to luxury cars you know, checked out the VINs, made sure everything was on the up and up and put together half a million dollars in financing. And we closed it by lunchtime Tuesday, right? So Saturday afternoon, not a business day. It's Sunday, not a business day. So effectively a day and a half uh, of actual of a work week and we closed. And so then he got his financing. He was able to, to, to put that money into his company. And then as, as he said, about eight weeks later, paid us back. We released the cars back to him. And I think he'll be a repeat client for us, again, because of our speed of execution. So that's a great deal, like I said, that I'm proud of that we recently did. We'll also put financing in place for a client that's got a Rolex collection. He's got, he or she's got six or seven Rolexes that are worth 150 grand and they want to borrow 100. We can close that deal in 24 hours, right? So that's what we've been able to do and prove in the marketplace and we put a lot of capital to work. I mean, we're approaching half a billion dollars in funded loans, funded transactions across almost 15,000 clients. So we have established ourselves in the marketplace as one of, if not the go-to specially financed lender, again, as you said, in this niche space. So I kind of want to break it down a little bit more because it's fascinating to me how you're able to work so quickly because in commercial real estate land where I live, everything is painfully slow. How do you handle the valuation of these various assets? Because you're dealing with some, I'm sure at times, some fairly exotic collateral. So how do you manage that and what that process looks like? Yeah, absolutely. So we've got a couple experts on our team that have spent a career in the luxury watch diamond jewelry space. So those ones are, are relatively easy for us, right? Because, you know, essentially you've got branded jewelry and diamonds, Cartier and, you know, Van Cleef. Those have a very easily identifiable market value, whether that's going to Sotheby's and Christie's and saying, hey, if you had to auction this, what do you think the range would be? Or if it's a somewhat common piece, you can probably find recent sales of the same piece and then there's your valuation, right? So the same goes for watches. You know, there's so many pre-owned watch marketplaces out there online that you can easily identify what this make and model in this condition are selling for on the market. And then we also know what dealers would pay for them on the private market. So all that intel allows us to easily identify those assets. When you get into luxury cars and you get into fine art, 
or unique auction items, we go to experts. Simple as that, right? So does that delay us maybe a day or two? It might. But we've got a network of people we work with and have worked with over the years, so they quite simply take our call, right? If we want to talk to the fine art specialist at Sotheby's, they take our call because they know that we've done business together before, they've sold stuff for us, et cetera. They brought clients to us, so it's a good working relationship. So if we have a rare piece of art that has good provenance and, and we need to get an evaluation done, we can execute on that. Uh, cars, again, there, there's so many marketplaces out there to see what recent sales have been for like and kind vehicles that it's, it's actually not that difficult. Uh, you just have to go through your process and again, because of the network of people we've built and then the experts we have in-house, there's almost nothing we can't evaluate. And if we find something we can't evaluate, it either doesn't have value or we just decide it's, you know, it's not for us. It's pretty simple. And what is the typical kind of leverage ratio that you're willing to, to loan on based on these collaterals? And does it differ based on the type of collateral it is. It does. It absolutely does. You know, it's case by case. We're going to go anywhere from probably 50% up to even 80. You know, 80%, we can do that on a gold coin collection, right? Because there's a, a readily identifiable marketplace for that because it's a commodity. So you can melt it if you want it. I would almost tell you that right now, Rolexes are almost a commodity, right? They're so on fire on the pre-owned market that we'll go up to 80% on on a Rolex loan, because if there was a default scenario, which is very rare, you know, we have about a 1% default rate, it just doesn't happen. And we can get into that if you like, but on a, on a couple of Rolexes that are worth a hundred grand, we, we'd be comfortable loaning probably 80,000 because we know we can sell it for the hundred in 24 hours if we had to, right? So we'd be more aggressive on, on popular items, more rare watches, art, rare and exotic cars. We're going to take closer to that 50% just to protect ourselves because you can get in a situation again, if you have a default on an exotic car, it might take us a year or a year and a half to sell that. Same with art. So it is truly case by case, but generally speaking, we're going to be in the 50 to 70% range and we'll bump up to 80, as I said, on really easily liquidated assets. And what is the typical, are you charging a flat fee? Is it a per diem? Is it a percentage based on all these other factors that you've gone through? What are the economics look like for you all? Yeah. So we do everything and we and treat it like a home equity line of credit, right? So those of us that have a line of credit out there or a HELOC, you know that when you draw money down, you just pay on the outstanding balance on a monthly basis. It's a 30-day loan. And, and quite candidly, you we can all call our mortgages 30-year notes. They're not. They're 30-day loans because if you don't pay, you get a two-week grace, and then the, the clock starts ticking. So they're all 30-day loans. Same with your credit card. Uh, so ours is, is just that. Whatever money's outstanding, you pay every 30 days on the amount. You can revolve it up and down. And then back to the case-by-case, the case, for assets that require a lot more legwork from us, uh, whether we have to get a private courier involved, where we have to go fly somewhere to do an evaluation, we've got to figure out storage in the example of the private via luxury cars we will charge an upfront fee to help us cover those costs. So it just depends, but you know, a, a simple deal where let's say a client ships us or private couriers to us three or four Rolexes, you know, most of those deals are going to be just interest only and we're more expensive than traditional banks, right? I mean, interest rates have almost never been lower, but again, when you get a loan from a traditional bank, you have to fit inside their box and you have to personally guarantee everything. All right? So if you 
go bad on a loan from a bank, they're coming after your wages, they're coming after your house, they're coming after everything you've got. Whereas with us, it's non-recourse, right? So you've pledged this collateral and, and given us physical possession of it. And if you default on your Rolex, no one wants that to happen. That's the worst case scenario. But at the end of the day, you just lose your Rolex, right? You don't lose your house. You don't have your wages garnished. So it's, it's non-recourse. But for all that, for the convenience, for the speed, we charge more. You know, we're going to be in the kind of mezzanine debt rate area of, you know, mid to high teens on the bigger loans that we that we do. And, I, you know, it's interesting. I used to get heartburn about rate conversations, right? Clients push back. That's so expensive. And now I've actually kind of made peace with it from the perspective of if you have another financing option that's more affordable and you can wait, you should do that. You should do that. We are here as a different option. And if you must close in a week or 10 days and we're your best option, okay, great. But it's going to be more expensive than a bank. We're not a bank. I had to go raise private capital that has a cost to it. And so I'm always going to be considering what my capital cost is and then what I can yield on that because that spread is how we make money. I mean, it's quite simple. So we do have people that say, wow, you're so much more expensive than the bank. Well, I'm not the bank. Uh, and that's, that's quite simple. So it's going to cost you more. But rarely are our loans annual. In other words, if I put a loan in place for somebody that's 2% a month, let's say, if you have that loan for 12 months, cost you 24%, that's extremely expensive. But most people don't. They'll have that loan for four months and it costs them 8% cash on cash. And what was the opportunity cost of not getting that deal done or whatever they were going to do was 8% worth it. Most of the time it was. And so on the logistics side of this, do you always take possession of the collateral? We do. Yes, we do. Uh, obviously, we do a real estate deal, which is which is not our core business. We'll do it here and there. You can't take possession of a property, but yes, you know, it just makes it easier, right? We have possession of it. We're in control of it. So if it's a car, you know, title, car, and keys, we have, we hold, securely stored, fully insured. Take your liquidity. Go what you need to do. Pay us back. Get your car back. It, it just streamlines everything because then we can avoid the personal guarantee. You don't have to give us mounds of paperwork. You just say, hey. In exchange for the capital they're giving me, I'm giving them possession of the car. They will keep possession of it until I pay them back. And every month I'll pay an agreed upon fee. And do you have your own facilities for the when you take possession? We do. So our, our two offices, Denver and New York, we have the ability to securely store smaller assets in-house. And then when you get into the, the bigger things, cars and art, we utilize those specialized storage facilities, which are everywhere, especially in the big cities. You know, we have a lot of clients in LA, a lot of clients in New York, and it's quite easy to store art and cars in those locations because, you know, I don't know if you know anything about the, the luxury car market, but these high-end private storage facilities where people store their cars, have them on a trickle charger, they get them started every week, they'll, they'll even take them out, they'll rotate the tires, they're, they're, all that stuff. Those are the kinds of places we store the cars that we deal with. And has anyone pitched you on using digital assets or tokenized assets or NFTs as collateral? They have. Yeah. And it's, you know, uh, I'm going to be bank like in my, in my answer to that is we don't know, we don't know. And uh, so we, we've not, we've not gone down that rabbit hole yet. And our license doesn't stipulate that we could. Uh, I'm sure there's a way to navigate getting there. We've got enough inbound business that we're focusing on those those tangible uh, luxury assets right now. But yes, absolutely. We've been approached about it. 
Yeah, I'm curious. I, I, that whole space is evolving pretty quickly, but it seems like there might be a niche there for you once you can kind of get your arms around it, but there's a lot going on. Um, let's talk about how you work specifically within the sports and entertainment industry. I know you've got kind of a specialized internal group. What does that service look like, that offering, and, and where do you come into play when you're working with those type of customers? Sure. Well, I, I think in just analyzing what a potential marketplace could look like for us, quite naturally, athletes and entertainers and people that have done very well financially are the ones that own luxury assets, right? So uh, we've got a lot of people that are visible in, in the world that have borrowed money from us for the same reasons that non-visible people do, right? They have an opportunity, they've got a, a tax deadline they have to meet, they have an investment they want to make, and they need short-term liquidity. So we've just we've had great deal flow from that sector of our client base because again, if you're an athlete or an entertainer and you've been successful and made made good money, you, you might have chosen to buy cars and watches and art. And if you want to leverage them, we're a great place to do that. It's incredibly discreet. It's very private. We're very careful about all those important things to people in the public eye. And uh, and so we have a nice portfolio of our, a part of our portfolio that comes from individuals of that ilk. And and I'm curious, as you build that out, who are the referral partners typically? If somebody's listening here, if they, if they're in that space, they know somebody, when does it make sense to give you a call and who is typically making that phone call to you guys? Sure. So we hear a lot from business managers, CPAs, and attorneys that work with professional athletes and entertainers. So those are the people that are close to their deal flow, close to their liquidity movements, and know that when an opportunity or a need arises, that if there's an alternative solution that's needed, they might simply Google and find us or they heard about us from somewhere else. So we have a a large focus on what we call indirect opportunities. Obviously, a direct opportunity is somebody finds us, they call us, they apply online, you know, they, they come directly to us indirect from referral sources is a huge part of our business and candidly where we get our larger transaction flow from because those people are trusted advisors right the CPA the the attorney the business manager are in the inner circle for for not just people in the public eye but also private individuals that have have done well they have this sort of suite of individuals they work with and so if, if they're having a, a conversation where, hey, I need to come up with half a million because I want to do this venture deal or I want to get in on that real estate play, but I'm in between li- liquidity and, and I'm not going to have that for six months, what can we do? That's when we hear from, like I said, the business manager from the, from the CPA on, hey, is there something you guys can do here in, in the short term? And most often we can. You've grown an incredible business and the numbers that you throw out there in terms of volume you know, deal size, et cetera, are admirable. What does the future look like? What are your current initiatives to expand your business? I know you've got some kind of interesting partnerships that you've put together recently. You made an acquisition, I think, uh, recently of another firm, but I'm curious to hear kind of what you think is next for you and the group. Yeah, great question. So we're looking at another acquisition right now, which would be very creative to to that growth. I think we need to grow our presence in Southern California. We have one person there now, but we need more. There's obviously a lot going on in the in the luxury space in that part of the world. We have a presence in New York City that also needs to expand, especially as the city comes out of COVID and, and gets back to normal, whatever that means. 
our location here in Denver is great because we're pretty centrally located, right? We can get anywhere in about three hours. And that's, that's proven to be very helpful in that example I gave you with the two cars when I got the phone call on the Saturday, you know, we were able to put somebody on a plane quite quickly and be there in, in two hours. So, you know, growth by acquisition is something I obviously understand with a private equity background and believe to be, if you pay the right price, the best way to accelerate growth. But we're also getting smarter on the digital marketing side of things. Caitlin on our team who runs marketing and sales has really transformed how we acquire clients and has taken us up a level in terms of being able to reach individuals that have even more valuable assets, which means more dollars out the door for us, which is ultimately the business we're in. So, and the other thing I'll say that we're very proud of is our repeat business rate is very high. 74% of the transactions we do are from a client who's worked with us before. So it means three out of four of every deal we do is a repeat, which means we're doing something right. We don't always get it right, but you know, I think our service is fantastic. Our speed is great. And our understanding of the situation clients are in and why the need is so great. Uh, like I keep saying, whether it's to, to meet an opportunity or a deadline, our understanding of that and our ability to really move quickly is what has led us to grow. And I think we, we will continue. I mean, I've been babbling on, but it, it, essentially it's about education. People don't know that this is a thing. They don't know this exists. And it's rare that I have a conversation where I explain our business proposition to someone that they don't say, wow, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, so we think it makes sense. We think it's a great offering. Uh, and conversations like this are helpful. And just educate the, the consumer that the bank isn't the only option. And the assets the bank considers are not the only option. If there's an alternative out there, it is going to be a little bit more expensive. But for the short-term need, we're a great resource. I think it makes a ton of sense. And, you know, especially within the high net worth family office space that we're focused on, I, I think it's a great offering and a good service and considering a 1% default rate, but, and the no PG component, it's a really nice product offering. And so hopefully some of our listeners and peer group and, and investor network will engage with you all, learn what you're doing and, um, and, and hopefully you can kind of service some of those folks. So along those lines, what is the, what is the best way to get this started? How does this process begin? And how can people connect with you to, to educate themselves about you know, the service that you're offering? Absolutely. So you know, like everybody else, we have a website, we have social media, we, you know, we have the ability to fill out a short form on our site. But I would tell you the best way is just to call us, reach out to us. And I think if we had clients on here or, or testimonials available, they would tell you that if they want to talk to me, they can talk to me. And I'm saying that because it's not like we're some big, huge company where you don't know who you're dealing with and you can't put a face to a name. No, there's 10 of us. We have a small, efficient team. And my team knows when they are getting complex questions or just need another set of eyes, they, they can come ask me and I'll get on the phone. I'm happy to talk to any client. It's not like I only do the big stuff or only work on the complex deals no, I mean, it's just, we're in the business of closing and helping clients get liquidity. So, so you can reach us always, right? Our, our parent company is Luxury Asset Capital. So luxuryassetcapital.com. And then you reference an acquisition we did. We acquired our, at the time, largest competitor, which is a company called Borrow, B-O-R-R-O.com. So just drop the W. Uh, we own Borrow now. So borrow.com is another platform we have where you can fill out a simple form and we 
we try, our goal is to be in touch in less than five minutes. That's our, that's our sales directive is when a client applies, they have a need and we can help them. We should contact them within five minutes. And I think that's pretty rare in the service industry, you know, and it's, it's proven to be helpful. We don't always get it right. And that's not going to happen after hours and on the weekends. But generally speaking, if you reach out to us by phone or email, we're going to try to be back to you in five minutes. So I'm sure you get this question all the time and, and I hate to do it, but I have to. Most exotic collateral, most interesting, like watch, artwork, car, sports memorabilia, any, any anecdotes that you can relay? You know, without revealing who the, who the owner would maybe be, I can say that we have been fortunate to deal with some unbelievably exotic car collections you know, one of two or a one of three from, you know, Ferrari or, or other manufacturers. Uh, some of those Richard Millet watches that are half a million dollars retail we've seen. It's pretty astounding stuff that people sometimes don't even know they had or don't understand the value of it has been pretty cool. We've definitely seen some really interesting stuff on the auction side of things outside of the jewelry watch car art space collectibles right people people have things they've inherited or bought or have been you know handed down that have just an astronomical value that we've been able to be involved with uh whether that's war artifacts or furniture from you know queen elizabeth or stuff from princess diana's estate you know just really interesting things that in some sense you would say priceless or how do you even place a value on it but that's where we get to work with those experts at sotheby's and christie's so yeah, so I would say, look, what we typically deal with are the things I have continued to say throughout this conversation, watches, jewelry, diamonds, art, and, and you know, personal accessories. But if you've got auction quality assets that either have already been through an auction or could be, we can look at those too. We, we, tend, to be, uh, we tend to be outside the box. Great. Well, Dewey, thanks so much for the time. I think what you're doing is very interesting. It obviously plays a role within the high net worth family office space and congrats on all the success. Final question. You bullish on UNC next year, new coach, a lot of changes in the program, obviously been disappointing last year. What you got? Well, look, you know, the, the price of success is everybody thinks that you should hang a banner every year. And, you know, we've done well, we've hung seven of them. So we've done pretty well, I would say, but you know, changes here. We have a new coach who, who was an assistant, Hubert Davis, who, all of us know very well and think very fondly of. He was a 12-year NBA player, had a great career at Carolina, and uh, I think we'll do a great job. You know, we've got everybody coming back except one guy, two good recruits. Carolina is always going to be Carolina. We'll be there, and uh, we'll have great teams and great support and great passion. And but I tell you, he's got big shoes to fill. He really does. And I don't even know how I, you can't you can't fill the shoes of someone on the Mount Rushmore of college basketball. But what you can do is is be genuine and recruit your butt off and try to bring in guys at the level that we're used to having and and then put them out there and see what they can do so it, it'll be exciting i think we'll we'll play differently which will be new but everybody's behind hubert and uh and i think we're going to be just fine all right man well i wish you best of luck and we'll be keeping an eye out for you thanks again for joining us thanks brian appreciate it thank you for joining the conversation on colloquium if you enjoyed what you heard in this episode, please like, rate, or leave us a review. And stay tuned for our next episode coming soon.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.